Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with another episode for y'all. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about the reaction of people in prison to the beating of the young man in, in Memphis, Mr. Trey Nichols, by five black, black police officers. Uh, I did an episode about this before the release of the video. This is about after the release of the video. Uh, everybody in here saw it. Everybody in here had a different reaction to it. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about, you know, some of the things that um, we talked about. Uh, are we somehow indirectly responsible? I'm going to be talking about that. I'm going to talk about, you know, is it the training? Uh, what is it? What is it that causes that to happen? And what can be done as far as we see it from our perspective, not from the perspective of people that live in the free world, not from the perspective of the police I'm going to be talking about our perspective and how we see this uh, situation, uh, this tragedy that happened uh, somewhere around three weeks ago. Now, uh, when I talk to a lot of the guys in here, I got various different response to it, responses to it. A lot of people are just mad as hell. I'm just going to keep it real about the situation. They they wanted retribution. Uh, they think that they should be thrown in jail forever. Uh, a lot of people were just shocked. A lot of people were hurt. And some were not surprised at all. But I'm going to tell you something that I think a lot of you are going to be surprised by. Uh, a lot of people in here were afraid and traumatized by what they saw. Now, I know that might be hard for you to imagine. Uh, when you think about the situation and went we're down and why we're in here and where we're at. You know, we're in prison, surrounded by killers and drug dealers, y'all. And to think that somebody in our situation could be traumatized by watching something like that, uh, based, especially based on what we see on a daily basis in here. You know, um, we brutalize each other in all kinds of physical and mental ways. And yet, watching that tape, a lot of us in here came away with that, with the understanding that, you know, it, it just it shook us up and it scared us. You know, not that we're scared of them. It's just the idea of somebody that we love, one of our nephews uh, being pulled over, uh, one of our cousins being pulled over, anybody that we know that is black or brown that could potentially be pulled over and then brutalized killed you know we thought about uh what they would be thinking in their last moments you know those are some of the comments that i got from the guys you know and i knew that it wasn't going to be an easy conversation when i started with a lot of people because uh a lot of people in here are just mean and I know that a lot of them would probably take advantage of a situation like that, weaponize a situation like that to manipulate people into doing a lot of crazy things. And uh, But I wanted to have the conversation anyway. I thought it was worthwhile having, you know. But some of the things that I did ask, one of the things rather that I asked a lot of people in here, I asked them, do you think that we're somehow indirectly responsible? And I know that a lot of you might be surprised by me saying that, but I want you to follow me and hopefully you'll get an understanding of what I'm talking about 
when it comes to asking that question of ourselves in here, right? Uh, and don't mind that noise, you know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here on the phone, but they're beating on some stuff out here. That's part of doing a production, you know what I'm saying, from this uh, side of the fence. Uh, that's just prison. Things happen in here all the time. If you hear somebody screaming and shouting, we're just going to keep on pushing, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Not that I would be ignoring that, but I just don't want that to interfere with the show. I'm not in the studio. Um, but let me explain what I meant when I asked a few of the guys. Well, before I do that, let me read something that I wrote that was based off of all of the conversations and the comments that I got from a lot of people, right? I want you to understand the mindset, and I hope that this little piece that I wrote can uh, give you some insight and help you understand, you know, what we were uh, experiencing and whatnot. So let me read this. Uh, we thought that by advocating for, when I say we, I'm talking about people of color, poor people, uh, during the times that all of these things were happening back in the 60s, 60s and 70s and during the protests and all this. And that, because one of the guys mentioned, said, man, all of the things that we did back in the day for protesting and we still haven't uh, moved beyond this type of brutality towards one another. And I found that to be very interesting. So when I sat down and I talked to him a little bit, he gave me some insight on what he was talking about. So it helped me write this piece. And he said, you know, we thought that by advocating for black and brown people to become a part of law enforcement at all levels, uh, we thought that it would change policing in our communities and change the way that they treat us. He said we were mistaken because we didn't focus on the culture of policing. We were more concerned about putting black faces, black and brown faces on the force as opposed to changing the way they trained the officers, the way they taught them that culture of policing, right? The idea that black and brown people are criminals and undesirables and need to be treated aggressively is something that is taught. It's taught. We can sit there and say that it's not, but we know that it is. Whether it's taught in the academies or on the job, it's taught. It's evident that it's taught. And everybody talks about how disgusted they are at the behavior, but accept the behavior, absent a video, when it comes to black and brown and poor people. They accept that behavior because they say the police are doing their jobs. And when the police come out with the alibis or their explanations as to what happened, absent a video, they're going to be listened to and believed. But I think that, and don't get me wrong with what I'm about to say, but I use this as a comparison. Because women have been mistreated since the beginning of times. And we've all come to the conclusion in this day and age that we need to believe the victims. We need to listen to them when they come forth and they say that they have been mistreated by their supervisors, their husbands, their boyfriends, whatever the case may be. Well, I'm proposing today that believe the victim in these circumstances. Believe the people that are in the streets getting their heads busted. Believe the people that are in prison that are being beaten and brutalized. But believe them when they come forth and say that they have been beaten by an officer because of A, B, or C. Don't accept that it's okay to beat somebody because they are a criminal, because they have been found guilty of a crime. I understand that a certain amount of force under certain circumstances must be used to take somebody into custody or in a prison to control a situation. 
But these situations more often than not get out of hand. And they result in somebody dying or being crippled. It happens all the time on the streets and in prison. So why is it that we accept these situations? Why don't we believe the victim? I'll tell you why. It's because we have been systematically dehumanized. We have been dehumanized in a way to where people believe that if you're black, brown, or poor, that you deserve it some kind of way. For some reason, you deserve it. And that's just not right. It breaks my heart when I think about my nephew or my sons potentially being put in a situation like this and not being able to help them, not being able to help them. I submit it's long go do for everybody, regardless of their race, religion, gender, or any other distinguishing characteristic, that we all be recognized as human beings deserving all the rights that comes with that. Dehumanizing someone to deny or oppress them or anything like that is wrong, and those that can't see that need not be in a position of authority. Dehumanizing as a tool of control is the lifeblood, the problem of this situation that happened in Memphis. It is the lifeblood and the problem of what's going on in every community in the United States where black, brown, and poor people live. And it has to come to an end. And with that said, I want to jump into an issue that I talked about to a lot of the guys in here. A question that I posed to them. Because when I thought about my nephew and how or my sons being put in a situation like this and not uh, being able to escape it. Because if they ran, they could possibly be shot or beaten. If nobody had a camera around to record it or, or the officers didn't stop it or one of the officers didn't stop it, they could end up dead or worse. I thought about that. And it made me think, man, am I somehow responsible for this? Am I somehow to blame? Could I be held indirectly responsible for this? Because, And let me explain why I say that. This Scorpion unit was created because the, the community in Memphis was crying out for something to be done about all the crime that's being committed in the streets down there. The communities, people in the communities didn't feel safe. So they asked their leaders to do something. They asked the lawmakers to do something, the police to do something about all of this crime, to stop it so that they would feel safe. And in response to that, this Scorpion unit was created. And apparently, they were given license to do whatever they wanted to do, whatever they thought they needed to do to put enough fear in the people in the streets that would make them not want to commit crimes. They wanted to change the behavior by making the criminals more afraid of them than they would be of anybody else. That way, they thought it would stop that. Now, a few minutes ago, I spoke about some people in here that would weaponize a situation like this and take advantage and have people in here doing crazy stuff. Well, I submit to you that we have some people 
lawmakers, people in law enforcement that don't have the right temperament and weapon and they are weaponized situations like this. They'll weapon they'll take advantage of the community crying out for help. They'll use that cry and help, cry for help, that plea for help as an excuse to create a unit like this. Not to say that this unit was not doing a lot of good things. I don't know, y'all. But you create a unit like this. You don't have the proper oversight. You don't have the proper uh, screening processes. And people like those five uh, black men can make it into a unit like this. And then you put them out on the streets and say, look, get to it. I submit to you just like I would say people in here take advantage of situations. Somebody took advantage of a situation and said, let's put these guys out there on the street and let them get their hands dirty. And this is what's going to stop crime. It's not, man. Trying to make somebody so afraid of you is not going to stop them from committing the crime because you're not addressing the reason that they think they need to commit the crimes in the first place. Poverty, lack of opportunities, education, poor education. You're not addressing those issues. Address those issues with compassion and you might be able to get some results in reducing crime. Trying to make people so afraid of you it's not going to stop anything. And we need to get to that point to where we understand that. So I submit to you that it's part of the training. It doesn't matter whether the officers were black, brown, or Asian. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It is the training that says this is how you control an environment. This is how you make people stop doing what they're doing. You beat it out of them. Make them afraid of you. And that's across the board in law enforcement. You know it just as well as I do. But you, the taxpayer, the citizens out there, you have said to them, this is okay because we're so afraid. This is okay. But it's not okay. It's not okay. A lot of people out there, particularly white people, you might say that, well, we got to do something. Yeah, you're right. But I submit to you, and it's happened, but it doesn't get as much airplay on the news, but this, what I'm getting ready to describe to you has happened. But let's just imagine a, a white man, a young white man, minding his own business. No, 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 let's change that. Let's imagine a white man that has committed a crime. Committed a crime, minor, because I'm tired of people saying that this... They use these words, say, innocent people, this, this, and that. Yeah, it shouldn't happen to somebody that's guilty. It shouldn't happen to innocent or guilty. So stop trying to draw that distinction because you, you imply that because a person might be guilty of something that it might be okay to do this to them. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. So let's just imagine a young white man that has committed a minor crime or any kind of crime, and he was apprehended by five police. Uh, five black police officers and they beat the hell out of him what would you be saying then what would you be saying then I don't think that you would be in a in a in agreement with what's going on I don't think you would like what's going on you wouldn't like what's going on no more than this but it's for some reason for some reason because it's not in your neighborhood 
you have you think that you have time to sit back and say, well, let's look into this. Let's study this. Let's see what we can do. Let's compromise. Let's talk about this. Let's come to some kind of understanding. But if it were happening to you in your neighborhood to somebody that you knew, somebody that you love, you'll be fast to do something. You'll be you'll be quick to do something. And that's what it, we need a sense of urgency with or not with this problem. It's been over three years since Mr. George Floyd was killed, if I'm not mistaken. No laws have been passed. Nothing has been done. And you can go back further than Mr. Floyd. Nothing has been done. No laws have been changed. You won't even entertain the idea of, of taking qualified immunity away from these police officers so they can be held accountable. I don't understand that. You give somebody a job, you tell them to do the job. If they don't do the job the right way, they should be prosecuted. They shouldn't be allowed to not be talked to by the investigators for 30 days in some cases. All of these rules that the FOPs got, fraternal order police have, that don't allow them to be questioned and to be interrogated without this, that, and that going on. The regular citizens don't have those rights. Everybody should have the same rights across the board. I'm not saying they should, don't have the right, they shouldn't have the right to uh, counsel and they shouldn't have the right to this and that. Everybody should have the same right. So the right, the same rights that the FOP has negotiated for their uh, members to have, every United States citizen should have the same rights. Now come on now. Come on now, y'all. It's time for this to stop. It's time for this to stop. But let me get back to the tour and be a little bit more specific about what I mean. Is it in the kind of way that I'm some kind of way responsible for what happened to that young man in Memphis? You take the crimes that are being committed. The community crying out for help. The police creating a task force. The task force is put into play and that man died. Well, when you go back to why that task force was put together, it's put together because idiots like me, when I thought like that anyway, were out there doing things and we had no business making neighborhoods so terrifying that the people living in the neighborhoods didn't feel safe. So, yeah, they cried out for some help. And then you got people in here, the people that I talked to about this situation. I said, do you feel responsible in any kind of way? And the answer was no. And I explained to them what I'm just explaining to y'all, and they still couldn't make the connection. They didn't want to make the connection because they didn't want to stop doing what they was doing. What I'm saying is we all have a role to play in this, good or bad, and we need to stand up and be men about this, be women about be grown folks about this. This stuff has to stop, y'all. Keep on doing this stuff over and over again, and every week we're getting so numb to it. It's like, well, okay, flipping around. Looking at something else on the news, it's almost getting to be so commonplace, it's like looking at a sporting event. Stuff ain't right. What we're doing, what we're doing, good people, I'm talking to all the good people now, what we're doing is we are allowing people that don't like other people for the race and, and their gender and, and their religious belief, we're allowing them to sit back and laugh and say, woo we, we got them all fooled. We got them all tricked. Come on now, let's stop being so foolish. Let's stop hating each other and start loving one another. Come on now. Come on now. Can't keep doing this to each other, y'all. We can't keep doing this, man. I just wanted to get that off my chest. I wanted to get that off my chest. Now, let's talk about what can be done. 
and, and again, I'm speaking from a lot of the things that people in here said, you know, I'm sharing that with you. One of the things that can be done, like I said a few minutes ago, is change the way they're trained. Change the way they're trained. We can't continue to allow officers to learn more about how to skirt the rules than following the rules. If anybody is hired to do a job that is given the trust of the people in the city, in that state, and in the country, if they're given that authority by the people to carry out and protect them, they should have to be accountable to somebody. Who are the police accountable to? Who do they answer to? It's almost as if they only answer to the fraternal order of police and nobody else. They get fired, they get their jobs back. They get fired, they go to another department or they go into corrections. How is that possible? If I was working at Walmart and I got fired at Walmart, I don't think I can go to another Walmart and get a job if I got fired for stealing. I think my name would be put somewhere in a database to prevent me from going back to that same place and working again, whether it be in another city or another state. And that's what we need. We need a way to track these officers that are making all of these other officers because the majority of officers are good people. Good people want to do a good job. They really do want to protect and serve. But we have to find a way to track those that don't want to do that. Those that are hiding behind their agendas in the name of the law. We need to find a way to track them. What about the database? What about taking qualified immunity away from them? What about that? Those are a few things that a lot of the guys in here talked about. It surprised me that they even knew about a lot of this stuff. But I think that they had some good ideas. Now, this is what I'm going to say before I end this episode, y'all. If you got any ideas about what can be done or you got any comments about uh, this video, hit me up in the comment section. Let me know what you think about this. Um, if you got anything that you want me to talk about in relation to this, hit me up in the comment section or hit me up in my uh, email account at doingtimewithjot at gmail.com and I'll do my best to get back with you when I call home and see what's going on. I really appreciate y'all letting me vent like this. This is really helpful to me, you know, being able to get this out because I want to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. But when I saw that video, an anger came up in me, a sadness. It wasn't an anger. It was a sadness. It scared me to death to think that, you know, that boy knew he was dying. And we saw the same thing with Mr. Floyd. He knew he was dying. And he called out for his mother. Both of them did. That's hard there, man. That's hard. But I'm going to wrap this thing up, y'all. This has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, and I say peace, y'all.